I came here to worship the Lord. I came here to, to, uh, to be around his people. I came here to enjoy this day, to love it. I came here to get excited for what God's doing, not just in my life, but the church's life. And uh, I came here because this is where God told me to come. Could have been a lot of different places, but God chose, he chose this for me. And I'm very grateful and very thankful that he picked me out of billions of people to be in one place called Nineveh and to allow me only by his grace to allow me to understand his word to know him and have a relationship with him that grows my life far past the evil things around me don't we deal with enough evil things around don't we? they're just all over the place isn't it and uh we'll, do, we'll talk about that in a minute but um i got a joke for you don't have too many of them come on I'm not going to quit my day job or my night job or whatever job. Uh, there's three little boys, three small boys, and they're so excited about their dad and their dads, and, and, and they're just, you know, they're proud of their dads. And the first little boy says, my dad, he writes down on little pieces of paper these words, and it's a poem, and he sends them off, and he gets $25. And the second little boy says, oh, he says, my dad, he writes music, these little dots all over papers. And he said, then he sends them all over the place, and he gets $100. And the third little boy says, my dad is a preacher. He writes on many papers, sermons, and then he stands up at the pulpit and gives it out, and it takes four men to haul in the money. The perspective of children, huh? <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we are excited for what you're doing uh, in our lives. Lord, how you continue to work through the very fabric of who we are and, and, and all that you want us to be, that you mold us, you break us. Father, you test us. And, and Father, you, you, you put us through fires of trials. And, and Lord, it, it's all for our good to come out on the other side, Father, in one beautiful piece made by you. Lord, what a, what a blessing it is to go through the fire of God. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this go and be. And, and Lord, we pray that we can, can get it out in, in a very understanding way. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I wrote, uh, if you want a text message for me Tuesday through Fridays, you're welcome to get that. Just give me your number and I'll get you on a group list. But I sent something out Tuesday and it kind of, I'm going to start with that. And then, uh, then we got a little uh, YouTube thing we're going to do. Uh, you guys ever heard of the uh, Twilight Zone? October the 2nd, 1959. Rod, what was that guy? Rod Sterling. Now, some of those older folks in here, we grew up with that. And it was, the, it was weird. You know, it was weird stuff. It was somebody's imagination, scientific, science fiction, all this kind of imagination. And they had a lot of big-time actors on that. It was, it was, uh, we grew up with that. It was kind of fun, you know. And I call this sermon the, 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 zone, the, God, the, the zone of God, God's zone. And, uh, because, see, if we, if we are in God's zone, if we are in the zone of God, <laughs> you 
be stopping. <laughs> if we're in this zone of God, then we're, we're, we're really in Rochester. He would say we're in a different dimension. We, don't, I, we are in a different dimension. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm in God. I'm, in this, I'm under the power and under the glory of the supernatural God that can do things that the, nothing else can do. There's, there's nothing on the power of the earth can do what God can do. And I belong to him. That's, that's the, who I'm with. That's the dimension I'm in. And so when, when God asks me to do something, I also, I, also, I also have to know automatically that it will not be in my power but his power. When he asks me to, to start a church or to go and be and do this certain thing or, or these plans that he might have for us, sometimes I can get the plan wrong, but God's still not wrong. And sometimes I, you just got to test these plans and what God's going to do. And so... Uh, you just, you just, you just got to keep going with God and always understand that God is on our side. Amen? He is my God. He is my Lord. He wants to get my life right. And so when I'm in the God zone, things go good, don't they? I wrote this, and I'm going to take it down a little bit. It's out of Psalms uh, 33, 11. It says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Everybody say amen. The plans of his heart to all generations. That means from the very beginning, God had a plan, and we all know this. God had a very specific plan. He, nothing shocked him. Nothing surprised him. He knew the plan. It was in place from the very beginning, and it's still taking place. And so for generations, God's had this plan. And then he, he takes the people that he loves and the people that he, that he has chosen and picked out and includes them in this plan. And for the ones that pay attention and listen and really strive to do his, to do his uh, service we're so blessed. We get to see so many things work through God, through us. It's a true blessing. So it says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Plans. Most people have some kind of plans going on. Who else got a plan going on? You got a vacation coming up? You're planning to go back to work tomorrow? Somebody, we always got plans. We got plans for a dinner right after church. We got plans to do all kinds of things. Our lives are based on plans. Everybody agree with me? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's based on plans. So it's, it's natural that God has plans for us. I wrote, it says, most people of some kind have plans going on in their lives right now. Plans for today, spring break, or the weekend. We live in our daily lives making plans. The Father I worship just loves, just loves it when I add him to my plans. Now, that's a progression because as, as immature Christians, as baby Christians, at first we start, to, we start to come up with plans, and then we ask God to bless those plans. And then I, then I go on further, and I'm trying to take you down a, down, a, down a way the way it should work. Because that's what a lot of us do. We, we say, well, I've got this plan. I'm sure God will go along with it. And that's the way we think. But really, the plan must be from God. Now, we can throw things out there and, and test God's plans and, and see if we're right or wrong. But if when it's from God, it is blessed from God. Amen? See, I can tell you because, see, the crossing was God's plan, not mine. And so the, it was, it's just obvious that he blessed his plan. Now, as long as we stay right to his word, and as always, every word in the Bible, you've got to stay to it. You can't compromise with God. He won't compromise with you. You've got to stay here. You can't change it. You've got to stay there. And as long as you do that, you're going to be so blessed with the plans God has for you. And I go on. It says, the father I worship just loves it when I add him to my plans. He even goes before me when I ask him first. See, I'm progressing. He goes before us. When we ask him to go before us. And when I give him the blueprint of my life, and that's what he wants, the blueprint of your life, every little detail, 
about your life. That's what he's looking for, your blueprint. When you turn and surrender that over to God, things really start to come alive. When I give him the blueprint of my life, his plans change the way I think. Amen? They change the way I think. And the way I look at others, all that starts to change. Even the way, even the way I go, his plan, everywhere I go, his plans motivate me and shows me what true love looks like. His plans never fails. His plans include patience, kindness, and joy. His plans leave stress and drama where they belong, not in my life. Wow, just maybe I should start my day asking God to plan it. Hmm, now there's a good plan. Go and be. I think that's exactly what God would love from us is to start our days under his plans, under his directions. And I know we got work, I know we got all those things, but can't you include God in those things? I think we would find our lives, in fact, I know for an absolute fact, you'll find your lives so much more fulfilling and so much more joyful if you'll include God the first thing in the morning. Now, I just challenge you all to just to try that. Just to try that. Give, do it a week. Just give, me a, just give God a week. Just do it a week. Get out of bed, hit your knees, and just try it. Just, if you can just start just for a few minutes, just try it. Saying, God, I know what the work's going on today. I know these things are going on. But, Lord, would you go before me? Would you make the plans for me? Lord, would you, would you interact today in my life? And if you'll pay attention, you're going to be blessed at the people that God puts around you. Do you all believe me? Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the blessings of life. Thank you for love and joy. I thank you for patience. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan for my life. You have a plan for the crossing. And Lord, I thank you for your word that can show us and guide us through this, Father. Lord, I ask you that we take the, the crossing and you... And you put excitement in our hearts. And you motivate us to go out and be what you've called us to be. Lord, would you take this message today? Wake up the weary. Heal the brokenhearted. And bring joy to the saddest heart in this congregation today. Would you bring peace to us? Would you overwhelm us with kindness and care and love? And would you excite us? It's in my Lord and Savior's name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now, we're going to go through this process. I'm going to be on this for a while. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting excited. I want to spill this out, but I want to do it right. I'm going to use the, I believe God's asked me to use Moses. And I, I, everybody love Moses. I know some people don't understand the Old Testament real well, and I, of course, you know, I love the Old Testament. But we're going to use Moses, and we're going to let, let God and Moses guide us through the plans. And a few other things I'll introduce in a minute. And, and, and let him guide us and, and how God's plans work. I know one thing about God, he's a very organized God. You can see that through Noah and the ark. And he's patient, he takes time. God's not always in the hurry that we're in. He's very patient, he takes time, he's very loving. But he's a very organized God and if your life is chaotic and you know chaos going over here and uh, you know you're, you're just everything's just kind of a mess 
That's, that's not God working there. He wants to be organized in your life. He wants to have the plans set ahead. He wants you organized. He wants you to look organized. He wants you to be organized. It's hard to, to do anything if, without organization. In fact, it's very difficult. I open up this morning. Go ahead, please. With a principle that uh, I want to warn. It's a little warning that uh, I don't have my phone today, John. You got it up there? That's not on my screen. Know your enemy. Now, I'm going to start here today because I, I, I read a statistic today from Billy Graham. And it was a, a couple days ago from Billy Graham. And it was very, uh, I, that's what I read. It, it was said, it said 90% of Americans believe that there's a God. Well, you can look at that. Okay, great. 90% of Americans believe there's a God. And then it went on to say, and it said that 60% of, of Americans do not believe there's a devil. There's Satan. They don't believe that Satan really exists. So then now we got 90% that believe some, something about a God and 60% that don't believe in Satan. So that leaves 30% that actually know what the Word of God, something about the Word of God out of all of America. Because if you don't believe there's a Satan, you don't know God. You don't know any. You are just making it up in your mind. And you're just thinking, I'll just make it up. It's my opinion. I'm smarter than anybody else. I don't think there's a devil. And so you don't know God. You know some former God that you've made up, but not the true God. Because there is a true Satan. Would you all agree with that? Say something. And if you don't think there's a true Satan, just try stepping out for God. Just try stepping out for God. You're going to find out real quick there's a true Satan. He absolutely hates the word of God. He absolutely hates Jesus Christ. He absolutely hates the church. So there is a true Satan. But what I'm saying is as long as we, we start going out and being, you have to realize as a church that a lot of people, in fact, we can just say 30% of the, I mean, 60% of the people do not believe that there's Satan out there. So they don't believe the word of God. So when we go out and be and to take the plans out, you've got to realize what you're dealing with. You've got to realize that we are in a different dimension than the rest of the world. We are set apart. We are holy because of Jesus Christ. And we are different. We think different. We are different. We are coming together as one mind and think together as Christ does. Now, the world doesn't. So I'm warning you. I'm just warning you as you go out, we are to love everybody. And to give great patience and great grace and great peace. But understand, their way of thinking is not our way of thinking. You ought to be, everybody in here should know that by now. Go ahead, John. We having trouble today? We ain't a little bit, see that. Well, somebody read that for me. Isn't that the truth? When all seems under control, there's a good chance it's out of control. I mean, that, that just happens, doesn't it? You think, man, this is all great, all under control. Man, that, and that, that should be the first thing. that You better be careful because there's a good chance it's out of control. Satan just loves to make it look like everything's in control, doesn't he? Now, I'll tell you, Satan, he's got a lot of, a lot of names. He's, a, he's called a liar. He's a counterfeit Jesus. He tries to counterfeit. He's called the light. There's a lot of names for Satan. He's a deceiver, the great deceiver. And so when you start to see the attributes of who Satan is, you start to realize we're dealing with somebody that's really powerful. 
They can't. He's not, he's not a God. He's not God. He's not omnipresent. He can't get into your mind. But he can tempt you in different ways. He can watch you, and he knows mankind. He's been around since the beginning. He knows what, how we tick, what gets us, what distracts us. And he always uses those things for temptations. So as we go and be in this world, we have to be well aware that Satan will do everything he can to thwart that. He will come after you. But he can't get, do anything that God doesn't allow. Amen? Go ahead, please. 1 Peter 5.8. I believe Susan asked for this verse the other night. Susan, wherever you're at. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What's he like? And who is, what is, who's the lion from Judah? Jesus. Counterfeit. But this roaring lion, they put that word roaring in there because he's coming after you to absolutely upset everything about your life. That you will stop doing what you're doing for Christ. Just stop. Take a break. That's what he's after. And you can't allow that. You've always got to allow Jesus to be the head of your house, the head of everything. That's why it's so important to get on your knees every morning and start letting God plan that morning out. You have to be sober, vigilant. You have to be prepared and warned about what's going to take place. You say, well, pastor, what's going on? Wait, I, I looked at this. A church can either do a couple things. It can either sit back and do nothing, and the, Satan's not going to bother monkey with you at all because you're not doing anything, or you can step out and do something for God. You can start teaching the world who God is through your church, through your people. Amen? Now, I'm not happy. I, I, got, I got trouble one time in another church because the, somebody said, all you want to do is do stuff. It was said in a meeting. They, got really, they were really mad at me. And then I probably looked at that person like that person was, that, she should not have said that. <laughs> yeah, because I thought that's what the Bible said. I, I, missed, I guess I missed the part where you just don't do anything. I, I really thought that's what the Bible said, that we are to go out and, and be the voice and all that for God. So we have to be sober and vigilant. Now, I'm, uh, I went to the license branch this week. I bought a new truck last week, and I had to bought it up in Ohio, and I had to pay the sales tax on it. I'm just going to show you how Satan works a little bit. So I went over to the license branch this week, and it was an expensive truck. I owed about uh, $2,500 in taxes and another $500 for other stuff, and it was about $3,000 I was going to spend that day. And, you know, I don't, I'd rather go out and spend it on a four-wheeler. Then give it to the government, you know? Y'all agree with me? Okay, well, yeah, I'd rather go out and buy stuff. I mean, why do I want to give it away, do something with it, but give it to the government? Oh, come on. So I walk up this nice lady. I had to get my, dri my driver's license renewed, too, and I walk up, and, and I do what I do, and I tell her who I am, and I'm sweet, and I'm trying to, you know, tell her all about God right there, and she knows who I am right from the beginning. And uh, she says, she was the sweetest lady, just a young girl, just sweet. And But she, what she didn't know was she was, going to become temptation. And so she said uh, about the truck, and she said, did you buy this off a relative? And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. She says, uh, if you buy it off a relative out of state, that you don't have to pay any sales tax on that. And I said, huh. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now, if you buy it in the state of Indiana, it has to be a brother or sister, mom and dad or something like that. You don't have to pay any sales tax. And I said, no, I didn't, uh, didn't uh, have a relative in Cleveland, but uh, what, not, wasn't his truck. 
And then she went on and she said, she said this four times. And she went on and we discussed a few other things and I told her more about the church and this and she knew who I was. And she said another time, you know, if this is a relative, you don't have to pay tax. Well, I asked that. <laughs> I wanted to get the full picture of this. And I thought, okay, you told me once. I told you I wasn't going to do it, and you told me again. She was, and I don't know whether you have to have proof of this or not. All I know is that this lady was guiding me to say I had a relative in Ohio that I bought this truck off of to save me $2,547. That sounds like a good plan. Is it one problem? That ain't God's plan. Amen? And so the whole time, I, about the third time she asked me, I'm grabbing a hold of this. Because it was four times. And I know she was just being sweet and kind. But see, Satan is sweet and kind. Isn't he? He can be the gentlest. He can be the, oh, it's just old government stuff. You don't need to pay that. He can, do, he can be so, oh, nobody, nobody would care. This lady wouldn't care at all. I just told her I was a pastor, and now I'm going to lie to her. Wouldn't Satan have loved that? Wouldn't he have loved that? And finally, the fourth time, the count one, two, three, four, four times before I'm swiping the card to pay the $3,147, $142, sorry, of that day, she said, you didn't buy this off a relative. I said, here's my word, I pay unto Caesar what is Caesar's. <laughs> I brought that to you because it was so perfect with what God was taking me this week of how you have to know your enemy. Amen? Amen. So my character, everything about my life is worth $3,142. My integrity, being a, a, above reproach, a, a pastor, it's worth $3,142. That's what Satan thought he could get me on. Now, God knew better, amen? God knew better. Satan works in the darkest and lightest ways, and you have to be careful when you go out. No matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing. It's so important to be in God's plans because Satan wants you in his. Go ahead, please. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I knew that this young lady was trying to help me. I wasn't wrestling against her. I knew what it was. I clearly grasped that the second time. I started to really grasp that. We don't, I'm, not, I'm not resting. She was, she was actually, even though she doesn't know it, she was actually playing into temptation and Satan's hands to destroy, destroy the witness of one of God's chosen. So we don't, we don't battle against flesh and blood. I, I don't blame her. She doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ like I know him. And I know the real enemy is behind her but against principalities. Now, I, I, there's, a, there's an order, a celestial hierarchy. Is that how you pronounce that word? And I looked this word up, and it, it's an it's a, it's a order that things are in. See, it's, it's, even, this, even the demons have an have a, have a order in line. They're, they're even organized. They're not just running chaotic. Satan is the head. 
And then it goes down from him. And he puts these demons in place. Not He cannot read your mind. He is not omnipresent or omni-nothing. He just knows mankind. And he puts these, these demons in place, and he puts them in people's lives, around their lives, and there's millions of them. I don't know how many, but there's a lot of them. And he puts them there to battle you, to destroy you, to destroy the church over and over and over again, and he has done a fantastic job of it. And he makes it look good. And you're not, if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know the truth of God, you will fall in that trap because it looks good. And if it looks good, God surely gave it to me. And that is a scary trap to be in. Against powers. So it's great powers that we don't understand. Powers that can influence nations and worlds and destroy people over and over again from generation to generation. I mean, where do you think the wars come from? Where do you think all the turmoil comes from? It doesn't come from God. It comes from pure evil. But yet 60% of Americans don't believe that there's a devil. So there is a deep, deep-rooted issue and problem in this world, in our nation. Against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. Darkness, everything away from God, everything that's not light, everything that's not in the light, of the light, and part of that light is of darkness. You say, well, my grandma, she doesn't go to church, but she sure is a sweet lady. I, I agree with you, she's probably sweet as they come. She's probably a beautiful, sweet lady. But the problem is, she doesn't know Jesus Christ. She may look like the light. She may even act like the light. But until you know and you're under the blood of Christ, you are not the light. You are only a reflection of the light to begin with. I'll give you another little story. There's some people in this church years ago, and they had drug issues. We lo we, we, I, I love to help people with drug issues. I've done it for years. and This, this particular person... One Sunday morning, it was a young man. He come into the church. He left the church. He comes back to the church later on that day. I, I get him in my office, and I said, what is going on with you? I could see him. I could see his eyes. I could see him. He finally broke down in my office, and he said, I had to go get some more pills. And I said, where do you get your pills on a Sunday morning? He said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to believe it. He says, there's a couple sweet little ladies that sell me their prescriptions. Somebody's grandma. Satan is evil. He's set on destroying you. And until you know your enemy and you truly understand your enemy, you're going to be in grave danger of Satan overpowering you. That's why I'm warning you this morning. But I've got good news. I've got, I got fabulous news I want to give you. But without the warning, that has to come first. Amen? Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Go ahead. I've got one more verse and then we're going to go on. 
Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise plans but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. This is talking about King Hezekiah. They were struggling with Egypt at the time. And the priest in Israel decided to try to persuade Hezekiah to turn to Egypt for protection and some, for some other things instead of God. And of course, God encouraged Isaiah to write this because they were turning away from God and going to the world to get their problems fixed. They decided they had a plan that would work better than God's plans and that the world or Egypt at the time, which is always just known as pure evil, that Egypt at the time, they would turn back to the evil part and leave God out of it. So it says here, woe, woe, when you, when you turn away from God and you turn to the world to solve your problems and your plans, it says woe to the rebellious children. Now look at that word rebellious. Because if that's what your game is, is always to turn to the, to the drama of the world and always to go to people that do not know Jesus Christ and, and get help from them. Well, I'm telling you, it says right here, woe to the rebellious children. Rebellion. That's not me, that's God. Rebellious. You're, you're, you're becoming a rebellious child of God. You're playing right into the hands of the evil one. Now, 60% of this country don't believe in the evil one. So they just think they're doing whatever they do. But not of me, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans. See, if I got a plan, I've got to run it through the Word of God. And then I've got to ask God, I've got to say, God, is this, I've really got to work on this plan. And, and sometimes I can get the plan wrong, and that's okay. I'm going to test and, and ask God if this is the right way to do the right things to do. But it's not okay to, to do something and never ask God if you can do it. No matter if it's a, a huge thing or a small thing, God loves all things in your life. Amen? He wants to be the plan of all things in your life. Who devise plans, but not of my spirit. In other words, this Holy Spirit, in the New Testament, we have this Holy Spirit living in us. That we can go to Him anytime, any place, because of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And we can go and ask Him, what shall I do? You say, well, how does God answer? If you're patient and you're willing to stay to the Word of God, you'll see His answers. Amen? So many of us want the answer the way we want it and stay the way God wants it. I'll tell you how you can know it a little bit. And who devised plans but not of the Holy Spirit that they may add sin to sin? Go ahead, please. Am I going to back up here yet, John? No. John, you usually do a great job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I know we get glitches every once in a while. As we pray for God to fill us with the love and power to go and be, clear plans will fall in place. Amen? Clear plans. I mean, as you're praying for God and you're asking to, to do these things that you really want to be an evangelized and really want to go out. I got to tell a little joke. There's a little girl in the church and I love her to death. I'm not going to mention it. Somebody came to me and said, this certain little girl, she was kind of a little worried about evangelism because she didn't really, didn't really gra grasp it yet. 
She thought we were going to go out and lay hands on people, knock them down and heal them and stuff. I assure you that's not me. I assure you, I just want to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm not into all that stuff. God's never told me to do anything like that. I don't know about all that stuff. I just want to go out and heal people's broken hearts. I want to heal them because they're dead. I want them to come alive in Christ. And we do it through love and patience, kindness. As we pray for God to fill us with the love and power to go and be, clear plans will fall in place, followed by a process. This is what I'll be preaching on for, for, for quite a while. I'm going to start with the plans today. Plans will fall in place, followed by a process to implement these plans. With the result being God's perfect purpose to magnify his glory. Amen? So your plan as a process. And I'm going to show you, we're going to start in Moses here, just to go through a few verses today. But God will help you with a plan, an idea, because you're praying for it. And for me, I'm always praying for the church. A plan. And then there, there would be, be, well, that plan could be so wonderful, and it can involve so many people. See, now, a, a plan can start with one person or maybe a group of people. But a plan comes together, and it brings unity and glory to God. Amen? Now, that plan can, can be part of the church, and that's where I wanted to start, is the church, a plan to come out of the church. And when this plan, I'm going to tell you about one of my plans in a minute here, but a plan that comes out of the church, it automatically brings people together. And I think God wants us together in unity. Amen? I mean, that's the whole Bible. Be unified together. Love each other. And that plan, once we start to understand what God wants to do with that plan, we start to take it out and involve other people in the plan. Maybe some other Christians, other churches, maybe the lost into God's plan. The plan will always bring unity and glory. Everything about God, what he does, brings unity and glory. It always is glory. It magnifies his glory because the people of God are working together. Amen? Have you got that YouTube video, Tom? I'm going to start out with this YouTube, and then I'll talk. It's just two minutes long. It's Ronald Reagan. Then I'll introduce you to one of, my, one of the plans I'd love for this church to take on. Turn the lights down, buddy, or Chris. Sometime back, I received in the name of our country the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really, we can't be. Because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. And so when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hold. All we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men 
They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. two years ago God brought brought something like this to me and I kept in the back of my heart in the back of my mind and I just kept waiting for when I thought God would want me to do something with that and a couple weeks ago when I was down in Kentucky at the motels praying throughout the night and stuff I was probably awake most of the night and God just give me a, 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 a clear thought pattern of what we might be able to do to reach a community to bring unity to the churches, to bring unity between the churches and the people. And it's through a VA memorial. So my plan that I've kind of teased you with the last few weeks, down here at this lake, we own the front part of that lake out there, out there on the grass out there, where that gazebo is, and we'd have to remove that. But I would love to put a VA memorial down there with a cross and the Ten Commandments. I'd love to be able for people to stand by and, and come here and just go down and pray at that, to go down and meditate around that, to do whatever they want to do, to give back something to the community, something loving and powerful, something that everybody might get around. That's my, one of my first plans, and as God just opened me up to that, I was just very excited. Now, we can think small. I was, when I was down in Florida, I <coughs> saw, go ahead and give me the pictures, please. Saw a few pictures down there where we were staying, and it kind of rekindled my mind to it. This plan that I believe that, that I'd love to, to, to share with you and share with the, with, the, with the community, you can make it small, or you can make it whatever God wants it to be. Remember, we're in God's zone. Amen. Whenever you think you can't do it, you just stepped out of God's zone and stepped in the Satan's zone because there's only two zones, God's zone and the Satan's zone. But to bring something to a community, something needed, and I don't know what, the, I don't know what it looks like. I have no idea what it looks like. But I know the person, I mean, I know the God that does, amen? I know that he knows. I don't know what the cost of it would be, but I know the God knows how to get the funds for that. Amen? Now I know the plan. The plan is, is, to, is to unify the churches, to unify people. The plan is to put something together that we can take to the community and show them what the church of God wants to do to help a community, bringing glory to God through his church. Amen? I don't know how on board you all want to be on that. That's between you and God. But I know what he's told me. What I believe my heart has told me through God. There's a beautiful one there. Now I know you say, well, that one's way out of sight. There's no way we can afford anything like that. Well, you just stepped out of the God zone and into <laughs> Satan's zone. I don't know if that's what God would want for us. I have no idea. And guess what? You don't either. But if the negativity starts the plan, where do you think the plan's going to go? 
Now, I'll tell you, we have a vice president named Mike Pence that happens to be the governor of the state that happened to grow up a few miles from here. You say, oh, Paul, <laughs> there you go again, thinking something like that. Thinking, well, maybe Mike Pence, maybe about a year from now, could come, and if we wrote him letters and prayed over it, could come and help start something that would go nationwide. Churches starting to do things that would bring the lost in in a wonderful way. Maybe God just waiting for some little county to start something. Amen? We have Atterbury right here. We have a captain standing right here that's already been looking up things for me. That can help guide us and do things. So what has to happen is the plans have to come together. A blueprint in prayer and unity. And the next thing is a process. Now the plans could take a while. And once we get the plans in place, the process begins. The process of, of getting God's work done. And that process brings more unity to more people because we start doing things through the church to raise the funds to provide this. So people start coming to the church, maybe through music or food or, or, or VBS or whatever it might be, to start to provide what we need. And maybe somebody comes along that donates a lot of money to, to provide this. The process involves a lot of people, a lot of activities, and a long period of time. Now, as I look through Moses, and we're going to go through Moses just for a few verses today, but I look through Moses, God had a plan for Moses. It started when he was a baby, when they were going to, when the when Pharaoh was going to destroy all the infants, and his mother puts him in a little in a little basket and sends him down the Nile because God had a plan for Moses, and that plan could not have been thwarted by Satan, no matter what. He had a plan. God had a process for Moses, and He had a purpose for Moses. The same. He still does for us. Plans, unity of God's chosen people and God's glory, always witness in his plans. Go ahead, the next one. Where are we going? Process. His plans is for us to reach the lost. Amen? His plans for us to reach the lost as we implement plans, unity amongst believers and God's, uh, what's that word? Glory should be encountered. One more. Go ahead, please. The purpose. As the plans and process are completely Reach the grand finale, seeing God's purpose. Amen? Go ahead and give me some verses, please. In Exodus, as for God, his way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. Amen? His way is perfect. Everybody say, God's way is perfect. It is perfect. He's got a, a beautiful, perfect plan for you. Because that is God's way. He's not a, a God that, that, that doesn't think anything out. He's not a God that throws stuff on the wall to see if it sticks. He has a wonderful, perfect plan. The word, of the, the word of the Lord is proven. Is it proven in your life? It's proven in my life. He's a shield to all who trust in him. Go ahead, please. So God heard their groaning. God listens to your prayers. Amen? You know how many people are out in this community, all over the country, all over the world, that are groaning to God? People that don't know him, but are, are in deep trouble in their lives, and they'll cry out to him in the worst times of their life. 
But God says, I got a plan. I got a plan for every one of them. And today his plan involves the church. And without the church, there is no plan. God does everything through his church. Amen? Sometimes that's hard for people to understand. But he does. He works through the people of his church. He's an organized God. He doesn't work with people that are not in the church. He works through people that are in the church. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Go ahead, please. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. Everybody knows this, right? We're just going to spend a few minutes on this. Everybody knows this, right? Uh, that, this is Moses. He's 80 years old. He's already gone through very different divisions of his life. I mean, you've gone through divisions of your life. Something when you were young, then when you have teenagers, then when you go this, this age, it's like a division in your life. Moses has gone through two major divisions in his life. And God's reaching out to him in a very peculiar way. And sometimes God reaches out to us in very peculiar ways, doesn't he? Because he wants to get your attention. And so in this plan, God had a burning bush that did not burn up. And it was our Lord Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord is always Jesus Christ. And the Lord appeared to him in a flame fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Go ahead, please. We'll skip a few verses. But so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. This is the plan that God's bringing to Moses. See, he brings a, a Pacific plan to a Pacific person church and he says i've come down to, to, to do this now i'm going to give you the plan now we're going to go through the process and that's going to take some time to get through the process and we'll go through that as the weeks come on but i'm going to give you a plan and i got your attention now because the bush didn't burn up you got it got, got your attention nowhere now let me give you a plan moses let me give you a plan the crossing let me give you something so i've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. So the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Heaven and all the mites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. Once more, he's, he's telling you, it's come to me, to God. It came to God, and God's going to use a man to deliver the plan that God has for his people. They come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Sounds like an evangelist, doesn't it? Sounds like God's going to send Moses to have a Pacific plan to do. Now, of course, Moses is going to balk on that. He's going to give excuses like we all do. And God's going to knock down every excuse. And Moses will become one of the greatest men in the Bible. Go ahead, please. Amy, will you come on up here for a minute? I've got many ideas, and I'll share. This, like, today's going to be a little different. I'm not preaching over. She's scared to death. Everybody say, Amy, everything's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Amy. You know, i got to get you out of your comfort zone and into God's zone, okay? Who else you want up here? Stacy, please come, Stacy. It doesn't matter. Okay. Amy is uh, one of the ladies in the, in the women's ministry. And I've also asked the men's ministry, Brian is getting involved with the men's ministry. 
and they've got some ideas that they want to do. Now, we, last year we did the, we did the uh, plan with the uh, water over there, at the other, and it worked out fine. Uh, and I would love to do that again, support a baseball team and, and pass out water bottles. This year, uh, we're going to do something called a huddle, a team huddle, coming up in two weeks on a Sunday afternoon at 3.30. Uh, for all those in the teams that want to get involved with doing some plans for God for this, for this coming year, for this uh, spring and summer and fall. So when we come together in a couple weeks, this team huddle is to, is to bring the teams together to put your plan. And so I'm giving you two weeks to pray about this team, leaders and people, team on, people on the team, to start praying about what God might do in your teams to reach the community, to unify the, you and the church, to glorify God, and to bring people in the community into the word of God, into the love of God, not in a scary way, but in a very wonderful, exciting way. I have lots of ideas in my head, but they're mine. I want you to pray between you and God. We've got great music in this church. We've got great food in this church. We've got just wonderful stuff, after one after another. Amy's got a wonderful idea, her and some of the other ladies. Would you like to share just a little bit of it? She's even prepared. <laughs> the ladies want to do something called heritage gifts, where we want to base it on Titus 2, which is the counselors receive only their own opinion, and then the counselor teaches the leaders in the congregation the heritage gifts that are offered for the counselor. So every six weeks, we want to meet in our traditional lab today and find out when it's going to be a wonderful time. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> this, is a, uh, this is a beautiful quilt. Uh, my aunt made quilts. I think my grandma did too. Uh, and, they, and what happens is people get together, and a lot of you know, look, I, I don't guess, I don't know if anybody makes quilts anymore or not. Everybody just goes and buys them. I don't know. But I know the day, back in the day, they would have all these racks sitting around their, their living room and their spare bedrooms. And I would just look in there and say, these, that's boring. But them sweet ladies, they would just be in there doing what they do, and, and they're making like, like a handkerchief. You know, I'm saying, what in the world? You know, and then one lady makes this for uh, that, and another lady makes that, and, and then all of a sudden when they get done making all these little handkerchiefs, they come together, and they start putting it together. And it becomes something beautiful, something usable. But I, there's one other thing I noticed. It's just for one family. It's hard to share that amongst all the women or the young girls that made that. So I got to thinking about that. One family or one person is going to get the benefit out of that whole quilt. You know what that is? That's a lot of love, isn't it? That's a lot of love on the edge of a bed. As a church, and as we put plans together and do things, it may just look like a little handkerchief. But as we come together in unity and love and bring glory to God, when that purpose takes place, it becomes something glorious and beautiful. Sometimes we don't see it till the very end. Amen? Let's stand.
John, have you got those other two other pictures? Anyway, you get them up real quick. I'm going to open up the tables here in a second. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you are a child of God, then you're welcome at these tables. I don't care where you came from. That's between you and God. I'm not going to judge your salvation. I'm not going to judge anything about you. That's between you and God. But if you do not belong to Jesus Christ, or if there is turmoil going on in your life that you have not worked out with God, then I'm asking you to work those things out before you come to these tables. Work those out. That's what the altar is always for, to work things out with God. This is a picture of where we stayed down in Florida was where I kind of got an idea. It's something very simple, something not very inexpensive to do probably. But whatever God, whatever God, however he directs his plan, whether it's something simple or something elaborate or whoever he gets involved to do this, I want you to remember it's to bring the unity of the community into the church and the glory of God. And if it's not doing that, then get out of it. It's not of God. Amen? Unity and glory, and God's purpose will be revealed. Enjoy the Lord this morning. Asking to give you excitement to go and be. We are to be the hands of God, the feet of God, and the voice of God. We can add police officers to this we can add, add firefighters and we can add whatever we want in the plan and the process of putting this together we can add a wall of the ones that have laid down their life for Nineveh a separate wall that people can come to and see their family name on it it could be endless of what we might accomplish for the town of Nineveh dear heavenly fathers we come before you this morning Lord I thank you for the excitement in my heart Lord, however this goes out, Lord, I leave it to you. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that love you so dearly.